Hey, what's up, everybody? Brian McCauley here on this episode of Wallet Watch. I had the privilege of interviewing my friend, Ben Wegman. He's literally one of the top agents in the city. He is the new young lion on the block, and he went from zero to 100 real quick. Today, he gave me a mind-blowing sneak peek into his playbook, and now I'm gonna share it with you. Let's get it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Wallet Watch. I am your host, Brian McCauley. Uh, first and foremost, thank you so much for tuning in today. We appreciate all the love and all the support. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, you know, Wallet Watch is a podcast platform that I created. It's all about keeping your eyes on your money. Um, we really focus on topics in the real estate world, in the mortgage space, um, in the entrepreneurial space, and it's really all things financial. And the purpose of this podcast is really to educate and inform everybody on how to build a business and how to make smart money moves. Um, speaking of building businesses and making smart money moves, um, today's show is special. Um, <laughs> my next guest really is a young phenom. I've met very few like him. Um, he's just super sharp. He'll do at least $100 million in production this year. His social media game is second to none. Um, he is hungry but he's humble, and the best part about it all is he's only 27 years old, which is insane. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, I want to welcome to the show my man, Ben Wegman. Ben, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. I like that intro, too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a long time coming. I got a bunch of stuff I want to unpack with you. Um, before we do, for the people that actually don't know you, yeah. don't know things about you, give us a backstory. How long have you been sure. in the biz? Why did you get in the biz? All that fun stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll kind of start it off. So I was in college for a couple of years, and like I realized like that was not for me. Like It just was not fun. I was not enjoying it. And I knew I didn't want to do that for four years and then go work for someone. Like mm -hmm. That just wasn't my future. So real estate had always been in the back of my mind. So I was like, let me go ahead and try this. So while I was in college, was like working on getting my license. So when I finally got my license, I went to my parents. I was like, I don't want to do this. Like I'm getting into real estate. And they're a little bit disappointed, but you know, they, they supported me ultimately. And it turned out to be literally the best decision that I ever made. Mm. So I, it'll be six years officially in September. Um, I have a team now. I've got uh, four core people testing out some other people and yeah, man, it's it's a ton of fun. Good, man. I'm proud of yeah. you. We're going to talk about the team thing later because obviously, you know, being a big name on the block, you can only handle so much, sure. right? Yeah. Um, one of the things I want to start with and talk about, man, is really like your social media presence is so strong. You know, from the day that I met you and discovered who you were as a person, everything online, I was super impressed. So I want to spend some time around the social game. It's such a popular tool right now, but you were really super ahead of the curve, yeah. which, you know, is a testament to how quick you've grown and your presence online. But I want you to talk to the viewers kind of like, hey, how did your social media strategy start? What platforms were you on? How'd you get the ideas? How did you build up the Ben Wegman brand yeah. through all the social stuff? How did it all start? Yeah. So when I first started out in real estate, I saw that a lot of people were posting on Facebook. Mm. And I'm more of the younger generation and we're more on Twitter and Instagram. Mm. So I was like, hmm, let me like try these two apps. And I mean, it just like, it took off. Yeah, Like it, it took a while. I had to be consistent with it, but once it started rolling, it was like a snowball effect. And yeah, man, it's, it's like made my business, which is so crazy. And the thing is we're all on our phones all day long. So, and everyone likes looking at pretty homes. So it's like, it's the perfect way to, to build a business. Speaking of phones for the audience out there, if you're listening right now, he doesn't need any more followers, but go follow this guy, <laughs> Ben Wegman online. You'd be super my impressed. Guy. He's sharp and he's a ton of fun. Um, 
So, you know, how did you come up with the strategies? I mean, were you posting open houses? Were you posting facts? Like, you know, when you're in the lab thinking about, hey, what do I do to get eyeballs on me to make the social game more popular, especially in the early game? Sure. How did you come up with your day-to-day, your month-to-month? What did you think through to get it rolling? I just knew that I needed to put out a lot of content just to, like, keep the attention on me. So mm-hmm. I would post either my listings, I would post my brokerage's listings, or if it wasn't either of those, mm-hmm. I would reach out to another agent and be like, hey, do I have permission to post your home? And, you know, they would pretty much always say yes because it's free exposure for them. Right. So for me, consistency was the biggest thing. Um, you know, I knew if I could keep being cons- consistent with it that the following would eventually grow. And cool. it did, yeah. And then the business kind of trickled in after that. I know, I know. So th- talk to me, like, at what point did you start to see it have an effect on the business? And it's like, this is it. It's rolling. I got to do more of this and just pour more gas on the yeah. fire. That, it was probably like year two. Um, my first year, I did a lot of leases. And then year two is like when my business really took off. And it was social media played a big part in that. Um, but yeah, definitely year two. And then, like I said, it's a snowball effect and it just kind of took off from there. Nice, man. So year two, it takes off. Your Year six, you'll do... At least 100 million production, I'm sure. You know, the social media you have right now is so big and it's so good. What do you want to add, or do you want to add anything? Any platforms, any different styles? What's Ben Wegman think about? Like, hey, I've got, you know, quarter million followers, things yeah. are good, I'm doing my thing, but do you want to add or change anything? Yeah, uh, definitely TikTok. And my team keeps telling me, like, we need to do like more on TikTok. I have a TikTok account. I just like, I really like uh, Twitter and Instagram. It's like my bread and butter. So yeah. that's kind of what I stick to, but I know that I probably should you know, expand a little bit more. So I'll try out TikTok too. But another thing I want to touch on real quick is how I was saying my business didn't take off until like my second year. Mm-hmm. I feel like for all new agents, especially those listening, like your first two years are going to be really tough in this business. Um, even like without having a, a huge social media following. So like stick stick with it your first two years. And yeah. you know, after that, it gets a lot better. So it's one of the things I admire about Ben is that, you know, I'm old school and I've got some old school work ethic. And a lot of times the younger generation likes the idea about being an agent or a super agent, but the in-between piece requires the thing that you're best at, which is putting in the work. Yeah, Ben and I probably, this is no exaggeration, at least once a week, maybe twice a week, we'll text each other at five in the morning, <laughs> something inspirational, some type of song or whatever. And it's so funny because the other one clapped back right away. And it comes down to like, hey, social game is great. Do whatever you want to do. But at the end of the day, like you're doing the push up you're doing the work Um, and there's no pretending to do the actual work which is a testament to why you've grown so quickly and why you've done so well Um, you know something I think when it comes to social right uh, everybody wants to have a big brand they want to be out there all the time they want all these referrals and everything else but something that comes with social that people don't talk about because they're probably not there but you've witnessed it I want you to tell me a little bit about the dark side and the downside what's the dark side and the downside of hey when you've done so well when you blow up what happens? How do you deal with it? And how do you grow through that? Yeah, well, you definitely get some weird DMs. <laughs> right? That's for sure. Yeah, it's weird. Um, I wouldn't say it's not It's not necessarily dark. I get hit up by a lot of agents that, you know, want to be like me. And it's hard. Like, I literally don't have the capacity to, like, get back to each and one, every one of them. And it kind of makes me feel bad because I know, like, they're hungry and, you know, they want to... I wish I could, like, give them some game, but I literally, I just don't have the time. Right. So, yeah, it's like weird DMs and not giving people the time that, you know, I think they should. It's Got it. just because I can't, like I literally can't. Yeah. So, so yeah. the hardest part is that you get so much demand that you're not able to feed back and respond back to everybody. Yeah. And it's mostly just like, like I said, other people that want to be agents. And like, of course, I want to like show them how they can do it. But it's like, I can only right. do so much. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tough. Um, 
You ever get any haters? You get any people out there of course, that, that are yeah. mad at you? There, there's always haters, and especially yeah. when you have like the social media element mixed mm-hmm. into it. Because I mean, there are people that literally are like on social media all day long, just right. like they have nothing better to do. Yeah. So you're always going to run into that, especially when you know you're being successful as well. Well, it's you know like anything with success, the good with the good, the bad with the bad. Yeah. You've, you've handled it well, and you're d- doing well. You know, as you started to get successful in the social game, get everything going. I want you to kind of tell me about your clientele. How did it change your clientele? You're working with a lot of professionals now, a lot yeah. of athletes. I see yeah. that growing. That's part of what you want to do. So talk about how you broke through with social when you started getting into the celebrity athlete game. How's that going? What's the future look like in that space? Yeah. So when I first got started in the business, I was 21 years old. So a lot of people my age, like they're not even starting to get their first apartments yet. Like Mm. no one's buying at that age. So my first year, like I said, I I did pretty much all leases. And then the second year, some of those people turned into buyers. Um, But really it was the the social media thing. I remember... um, this was probably year two or three, like right, right in between. And I had this really big name athlete who followed me on Twitter. He hit me up and he was like, man, I want to buy a house. I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. Right. So I did really good with him. And, you know, I posted a picture with him and then I think it just kind of spread from there. Like yeah. I, I had other athletes that followed me. And I think like once I posted that picture, they're like, oh, this guy's legit. And yeah, it just kind of grew from there. That's great, man. It only, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about it. You just keep consistent, keep it going. You never know when you have that one breakthrough. Yeah. Take great care of them, share the love, show the success. And I'm sure since then you probably picked up what, 10, 20, 30, 40 athletes since then? Yeah. And I, I, actually a funny story. I talked about this on my podcast with Karam. Um, when I first met up with this this first guy, the really like he's a superstar. Yeah. Like big, big deal. Dude, I was so nervous sure. to, to like meet with him. I was like, oh my God. Like literally I was like slapping myself <laughs> in the face before he even got there. But luckily everything went smoothly. But yeah, it was it was crazy. And then like closing that deal and then holding a check like that, like I'd never held that much money. So it's it's crazy, like this business, how much, yeah, how much you can get that out of it. That was the moment. Look, Ma, I made it. Yeah, that man, was it. Yeah, it was right. It was you finally crazy. get home, put your feet up, you take a deep breath, you're like, Okay, right. I yeah. did it. Yeah. Now the question is: the next day, did you go spend it, or did you, you I, know, invest back in yourself? I spent. I needed a new laptop, so nice. I bought an, a nice laptop. But nice. I, I was smart with the rest. That's of it. hilarious, man! Yeah. Congrats. Thank um, you. You mentioned earlier podcasts, so we're on a podcast here and there. Talk a little bit about yours. So that's a platform I saw you get into. A lot yeah. of people want to pick at you for your brains, your success. I think podcasts are a great way to expose that in a cool way in the personality. So talk about how that started, where you're at, what's your podcast, so people can go follow you and all that stuff. Yeah, it's uh, my buddy Karam. So the name is literally Ben and Crom's podcast. Um, but I do uh, residential real estate and he does commercials. So nice. I feel like it's a good mix of the both of us. Yeah. And then we bring on other guests that are in the real estate space. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Very nice, man. I've yeah. watched it. It's good. You guys go follow and check it out. A bunch of really good information. Thank um, you. So you mentioned this earlier about not having the time to get back to everybody. Yeah. Um, it's a good problem to have. Let's talk about the referral side, meaning, you know, as you're blowing up and doing all this, you mentioned that you've built a team. Talk about that. What does the team look like? Um, you know, how many people on your team, what do they help with? And I'm going to deep dive on the capacity thing, because if you don't have enough time to respond back to questions on DMs, you definitely don't have enough time to handle every client all the way through from start to finish. So I want to talk about when you got the idea of getting a team, how it's been implemented into the game, how many people are there and kind of where you're going. Yeah. Well, first off, let me say that building a team was literally the best thing I've ever done in my business. Um, last year I did not have a team. I started my team like late last year, like November, December. Um, but I was so stressed last year. Last year was an amazing year. Like I did a ton of business, but I was doing it all on my own and it was very stressful. Like I didn't have time to do like anything. It was just work, 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 work. And 
I was like feeling a little bit of burnout and um, I was like, man, it's time. Like I need to do a team and it's hard for me to like delegate because I know if I'm going to do something, it's going to be done right. And I don't want to like pass things along to other people, like my own clients and yeah. like people screw it up because then it looks bad on me um, and then I would feel terrible. So yeah, uh, building a team was literally the best decision that I made though. Um, like I said, I started it late last year. I've got four main people on it right now. I'm testing out some other people and yeah, man, they're they're crushing it. It's it's so fun to see. Good, man. Well, they're all rock stars. I mean, this is a team game. Uh, you know, if people don't know it, it's the only way to go. It's the only way to grow, to have fun. You get Definitely. a good quality of life. You can do more and help more people. So I'm proud of you. The team is the bomb. I work with them as well. I'm happy for y'all. Yeah. Um, I know this is a strange question for somebody at 27. Yeah, I like strange just questions. Just enjoying it, but yeah. what's the end game? And if there's no end game, what's the one, three, and a five year? Who does Ben want to be? What does the team want to look like? You trying to go big on stage one day and share all this? Have you thought about that? Because you have so much time, but you also have so much value. Do you think that far? Or are you just sticking in the now? The the end game is really just more. Like I know by this time next year, the team will probably have doubled, and it's just. It's just about growth. I don't have like a huge goal or anything. Right. It's just like growth, like taking each day at a time, you know, growing each day, getting, I, I like the saying, getting 1% better each yeah. day. So that that's like my thing. Um, so yeah, man, just getting better every single day. That's good, you guys. You heard him say, it's just the, the goal is just to get more. Yeah. Every hungry entrepreneur is just more and more, more until yeah. they get to a spot where they're like, okay, I feel that this is enough. I don't necessarily want more. Maybe I want better. Maybe I want different. Sure. At 27, just leading the game like this, like you could literally do it five times over, screw up, build back. You have so much time to get yeah. it all done. Yeah. You're enjoying it. Um. You know, as you're going through this journey, brother, and you're like, you know, building a social game, leading the block, starting to work with, you know, high-end people, celebrities, athletes, all that, who do you look up to for inspiration? Who do you model some of your stuff off of or who deep down, right, is somebody that you need or you feed off of to continue to go? Um, I mean, you, honestly, you and Rogers, I, I remember one of our first ever dinners, you told me like, dude, you're doing great, but you need to have like systems in place. Like you saw the vision like way before I saw it and even like could understand and comprehend what I needed. So I definitely look up to you a lot. Um, thank you for all of your guidance. I appreciate and everything. that, yeah, man. man. The feeling's yeah. mutual. Yeah, and of course, Rogers. I mean, Rogers is like the best leader ever. He's, uh, so I'm at Rogers Healing Associates. That's the brokerage. I've been there since day one. It's been the only brokerage that I've been at. And yeah. there's no way I, I would leave and go anywhere else. It's it's the best. So. What about big time guys that, that are out there, million dollar listing guys, other entrepreneurs, people that are super on top? Any of those people like top three, like super, super, super people? Yeah, Ryan Serhant, definitely good guy. Um, super sharp. I actually, I think this was like when I was a year and a half in the business, I actually flew out to New York. He was doing like a, a, a conference and I actually went to it and that was really fun. Nice, dude. Ryan's yeah. a stud. He's owning the game. The guy's on top. He's a great person to mirror and to look after. Um, you know, I, I, I want to help people understand whether they're one year into the game, whether they're 10 years into the game, social media and online branding, everyone knows that it's something that they should do. Yeah. And I want to figure out, especially for maybe the younger generation, especially on the agent side, let's focus on that for a sec. How come you think more agents don't do it, don't do it well, um, don't understand the value in it. Because if anybody just goes and looks at you and what you, you've done, dude, I mean, that's where majority of your clients and partners have come from. You've done so well. So yeah. why are people so hesitant to do it? Well, it's a commitment, I feel like, mm. you know, because I have to go drive out to each home, you know, get video, edit the video. Like it's it's actually a lot of work. It seems like it would be really easy, but it's a lot of work. And then you got to be consistent with it. Like if you post one to two videos, you're probably not going to get a lot of interaction. And you're going to be like, oh, like this doesn't work. Like yeah. I need to be spending my time doing something else. So you got to like be committed to it and then you got to be consistent with it. And yeah. I feel like those are two things that people 
like struggle to deal with. Committed and consistency. Exactly. And I think to your point, like people can't have the short-term thought that they're going to pop out one or two videos and hit a home run. But dude, everyone thinks so short-term right now. It's so crazy, especially like people my age, like everything, like it's instant gratification. That's what they want. And it's like, they, they asked me, they're like, Ben, how do I get to where you're at? And I'm like, Dude, like I literally have done the same thing every single day for six years. Like yeah. that's how I got to where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. it's incredible. I mean, you chop wood really well. And that's the thing, people don't see that all the time. It's why sometimes, you know, my wife doesn't love this, but sometimes when I come to work at three or four or five in the morning, yeah. it is like, I like, I have that Tom Brady chip on my shoulder and you do as well. And sometimes I like to remind people like the posts are great and it matters, but to your point, the work matters and it takes a long time to feed into that mindset. The short-term thing is just, you know, it's not going to work. Every yeah. now and then somebody will get lucky yeah. or hit a lick or something here and there, but for the most part, like being in business, I think social, you have to treat it like a business. Yeah. And you know, you are the content, you're doing your stuff day in and day out, but the long-term component of it is what people have to do. I think they lack consistency. Um, I think some of that is because they don't have the commitment. Yeah. Um, I think it's like getting in the gym. If you think you're gonna get in shape in two weeks, don't even go. Yeah. Um, I also think it's a plan, right? For you, do you have any structure to the plan? Meaning, yes, if you go shoot a seven-figure listing, of course, here and there, is it more on the go? Is some of it structured or some of it just like whatever, whatever? Yeah, so sometimes like if I'm showing a home after the client leaves, I'll get content of it. Like if I can tell that they didn't like the home, um, so maybe I can get it to someone else. Um, but really I'll get content like if I have a free day. So right now it's like my days are like consisted of putting out a bunch of fires, like deals over here, deals over here. Like I'm closing 14 deals this month, which wow. is my biggest month uh, yet. So yeah, a lot of my days actually spent putting out fires. So if I have free time, that's when I'll go out and get content nice. and just help build the business. You said a free day, what is that? <laughs> yeah, good point. Like when I have one to two free hours or right, so. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Nice, that's hilarious. Um, yeah. So so how about this? How about, so you're giving people the strategy and the ideas. Let's go the opposite side of the coin. Sure. What about mistakes? Mistakes that you've made or mistakes that you would tell people younger, hey, don't do these things. Don't get sucked into this firsthand, but also things you know to work for them so they don't have to learn the hard way. Hmm. Mistakes, mistakes, mistakes. I'm trying to go back to like you trying know, to look too younger. perfect or trying to have a perfect camera or trying to make sure everything's delivered perfect. What are some mistakes outside of, hey, don't think it's going to happen quick, but what are some things you think maybe keep people from doing it or mistakes that people make when they're trying to perfect their social game? It's like, hey, you don't necessarily have to do that or don't fall into that trap. Yeah. I'll think of a good one on that. Um, a kind of boring one is, and a pretty obvious one is like, <laughs> know the contracts that you're working with. Like, pay attention to everything that you're working with because I remember my my first deal ever, like I learned so much from that deal because I wasn't really following like the, the guidelines and like deadlines and stuff like that. So I mean, it was my first deal ever. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and so like I missed a thing or two and like I had to like pay out of my commission to like make it up to the seller. Um, so that's definitely really important is pay attention to the contracts. Um, Let's see here. Other big mistakes, though. I don't know. That's, yeah, I that's mean, I just tough. hear people sometimes like a mistake uh, they'll say is like, I just don't want to shoot because I'm uncomfortable on camera. I don't like the way yeah. my nose looks or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like, dude. I, I used to be like that. I used to be so like insecure and I, I don't know. I just slowly got over it. Like, who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just yeah. got to fight through it. Do you have exactly. like a social team or is it just all you? It, it's pretty much just all me. That's insane, Yeah, dude. but I think eventually I'll get to a point where I'll hire someone to get content for me just because it would save me so much time. 
I feel like it would be worth it. Uh, but right now, yeah, it's pretty much just all me. So you've mastered a couple things, the social game and the platform and the branding and all that. You clearly have the work ethic built into you to do the push-ups to get it done. Let's talk about the business piece for a minute because we haven't talked about it yet. So, you know, you get into the game, you've got the right mindset, you've got the branding, you're starting to create referrals, you're starting to figure out how to do buys, how to do listings, all the stuff. But there's a lot of stuff to your point in between. You've got to know those contracts. Like you just yeah. can't be a rock star online. The truth is when things come in, you got to be able to handle it. So talk like the first year in the business when you've generated some referrals and people want to use you, it's the best feeling of like, yes, yeah. I've mastered that piece of it. When it comes yeah. to the door, you have to know what you're doing all the way through. So kind of walk through how it was in the beginning, mistakes that you've made, funny stories, and kind of where you're at now and teaching people like, hey, work on the business just as hard as you work on the branding. Right. I mean, your first year, your first two years, you're like a sponge. You're just soaking up like everything you can. There's, I mean, even to today, I'm still learning something new every single day. There's so much that goes into the business of real estate. Um, but yeah, it's like learn as much as you can, as quickly as you can. Your courses that you, your pre-licensing courses, they're only going to teach you so much. I feel like we only use like five to 10% of that stuff. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to learn after that. So go to your brokerage trainings if they provide them, because that certainly helps. Um, RHA is really good at brokerage, or at new agent training. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just trying to get as much business as you can, posting content, doing so, or open houses, um, just yeah, doing anything that you can to, to get business. It's good, man. Do you find people these days when you're getting clients so like what's your repeat client like or what's your referral off somebody else, which is like I use Ben because he's the man online, but I also know like I love Ben because Ben is actually an expert at the business as well. Um, so how many people are reaching out to you and connecting off repeat clients or referrals off other ones? What's that snowball effect so far? Yeah, I have one really good repeat client. I've done like eight deals with him like, and I've made him a lot of money on each deal too. So that's probably why he keeps uh, using me. But it's a lot of referrals too. I feel like if you do a really good job, you know, obviously people are going to refer you. They'll tell their friends and their family to use you. And um, I had someone tell me, they're like, whenever I think of real estate, like I think Ben and, you know, I send my people to Ben. So yeah, nice, yeah. as long as you do a good job, you always get the referrals. And, That's good, you know, man. That's what it's clients. all about. You know, you're like still early in the game, but early in the game, it's all about client acquisition. Yeah. And as you get older, you build a book of business and stuff. It's kind of about client retention. Yeah. You're kind of in that in between. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've seen a lot in six years. You've done a lot. The market that we're in right now is one that I think honestly is unprecedented. You know, I've been in the game for 16 years. I survived the subprime crash. I went through the build back. I've watched Dallas and the state of Texas grow. Um, then we went through the COVID run, which is the craziest thing ever where things were completely sideways. Interest rates dropped to pretty much nothing. And now we're in a space to where a guy like you that has a great name and knows what he's doing is building an awesome team. You know, you're seeing demand for housing just through the roof. Yeah. You're seeing a population surge in Texas through the roof. So how are you feeling about today's market? How's your team handling it? One, and then I want to transition to the future and where things are at. So right now with the demand, how are you guys handling it? What do you feel about it? What's been different since last year? Well, first of all, I feel like this is finally a time where I'm like in the right spot at the right time being in real estate because I've been in it for six years. Like I know everything that I know. And I feel like you mentioned, like the market is like fire right now, especially in the, the DFW market. Um, so it's it's a good time to be in the market. But really, it's just like, yeah, it's the experience. It's doing this for six years, knowing what you're doing. And luckily, I built up the following that I have. So I'm able to like retain all these people and, you know, dish them out to the team if I need help. And yeah, just just do it. 
that way. It's good. And I think having the team, you know, a lot of times people, even on the loan side, they get upset because they want instant communication and answers and everything right now. And it's not possible to everybody. Yeah. It's kind of like a doctor being a doctor's office. Like they have a staff of people that are helping them all day, every day. You can't get to the doctor all day, every day. And so right. you, know, you can't get to Ben or myself or anybody else. And not that we're doctors, but we're talking about the business model. And I think the smartest thing he can do for himself, but also for his clients and the brand is build a team. Yeah. They're able to help and cater so much faster. So when you're growing this fast on your own, but also this market right now demands extreme speed, extreme That's answers. Crazy. There's no yeah. time to wait. Yeah. And so you have to be able to have other people to help you lift all those referrals and get everything going. And that way people get the you know communication and responses that they need. But I think you're able to beat other agents out there because if you were Ben three years ago versus Ben and the team now, you can beat Ben three years ago, even as a one man or a one woman army, there's just not the capacity to do it, to get it going. Um, so I think building the team for the future, but also short term gives you a leg up yeah. because again, the burnout piece, like you can only have so much capacity and get there. So, yeah. um, you know, there's a lot of talk, kind of crazy things out there. Like what does the future hold, right? I think there's two separate conversations always in my head. What does the future hold for the country? Question mark. What does the future hold for Texas? Question mark. And the reason I say that is that Texas and Florida are kind of isolated in their own little bubbles. They've done so well through the COVID craziness. A lot of people have moved here, businesses have moved here and all that. So, you know, let's start from a national standpoint, not advice, just talking like some guys we don't know, but people want to say like, hey man, you know more than most people. I know more than most people, you live yeah. it. So, you know, what do you think's in store for the summer, back half of the summer for the housing market from a national standpoint? You think things will cool off? You think things will change? What are your thoughts nationally? I think it's still going to be crazy the way that it is. There is a lot more inventory hitting the market, but I mean, there's so much more demand too. I saw a thing where the U.S. in total were short four million homes, mm -hmm. so four million. Like that's a, that's a lot. Um, so yeah, there's still a huge demand, and it's going to take forever to to fill that. So yeah, I, I think it's going to be crazy for a long time. So you mentioned a little more inventory is coming on the market. Why yeah. is that? What's the cause? It's uh, I think it's a seasonal thing. Okay. I, I feel like a lot of sellers they think that if they listen the summer, and you know they're pretty much right. If you listen the summer, you'll probably get uh, more for your your home than if you did like in the slower seasons. Got it. Um, so just historically, I, I feel like it's always been that way. So more inventory is popping on, but because there is such a major shortage, it's not even putting a dent in. Right. And what's crazy, it's tough for me to say it too, but it's one of those things to where like, I know it's super strong and I know there's an issue because interest rates since Christmas are up almost 3%. And if interest rates go up 3% and literally hasn't slowed down the market, the question is, what will? Yeah. And the flip side of that question is, what's ca causing it? And so to your point, I think the shortage, I think things are behind. So let's let's transition specifically to our great state of Texas, man. Yes. Everybody, every business is coming here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year I helped 455 families. 74 people came from California, 27 from New York. Yeah. And the same conversations on the phone that I have is, hey, just so I know, why do you want to become a Texan? Yeah. And most of them just say, hey, we want prosperity and freedom. We love the state, great people, warm weather, good economics, business friendly here and there. So because all those people are coming here, if I'm an agent and just saying like, there's so much of a herd and there's not enough inventory, let's just talk about 
through the summer and maybe the back half of 2022. What do you think is going to happen, let's say specifically in Dallas? Are things going to slow or is it just a matter of like, dude, there's just not enough for everybody. There's nothing that's going to kill the demand. Yeah. Let's talk about another market real quick, Austin. A lot of people from California are going to Austin and Austin is like, it's really dense. Um, so there's not a lot of homes there. So a lot of people are getting priced out of Austin and they're moving to, to Dallas. Um, I, I think it's funny that you ask people why they want to come to Texas. I, yeah. that, that's a good question. Um, but yeah, it's it's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's just, it, it's crazy because to have this many people migrate to one spot at one time, I think it's a great thing for the city and a great thing for the state, but it causes challenges. Challenges mean yeah. like traffic, dude. Yeah. Traffic here has gotten insane. Oh my insane. gosh, it was, it was bad. Insane. It was bad getting here. There was uh, 97,000 people that have moved here over the span of the last year, which is like 260 a day, like the highest of any metro area in the country. It's it's crazy how many people are moving here. I saw a, an article, I think in February on Forbes, and I posted on my IG and it says DFW Metroplex in its entirety, I think was just under 7 million last year. The projection by 2030 is to have 10 million people here total. That's 3 million people in eight years. Where are they going to put all those people? Yeah, I don't yeah, know. No kidding. Yeah. It's, it's causing issues with traffic, infrastructure. Um, it's a good problem, a bad problem. But the thought is, again, all those people coming here moving for whatever reasons are in life, everybody has to have a place to live. Yeah. So as an agent, you guys got to be smiling ear to ear. I'm like, I'm going to help you. It's just a matter of if it's yeah. going to be buy, sell, or lease. Right. Yeah. Um, and how far you want to be. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, the big advantage, I think, in my opinion, that Dallas has over Austin over Houston, over San Antonio is the space. So yeah. to your point, Austin and San Antonio and even Houston, they're kind of landlocked, right? They've got a little bit of hills around them, some water here and there. So there's not really anywhere to go from downtown Dallas, literally two and a half hours north all the way to Choctaw, it's all land. Yeah. So one of the biggest advantages is, hey, we're not landlocked by anything. As long as you don't mind living in a certain area, we can keep building and building and building exactly. and building. And I think yeah. that's a big advantage why people are not going to stop coming here because they don't necessarily have to always go up. They can go out. Um, here's a cool stat, knowing that things are just going insane. One of my buddies, actually an old college roommate of mine, works for a gas company uh, here in the city. And what happened is part of his territory is he has to sell the gas rights under the dirts to developers. Okay. And he tells me like, you know, on the low sometimes, hey, by the way, up in one, two, three, this, that, and the other, he's selling gas rights to developing builders that are buying lots at 500 a 1,000 at a time right now at max price. Wow. And it just tells you if those people are buying properties and lots and everything at 500,000 right now. These are smart people too. Right. Yeah. But they know a lot of things that other people don't know, which is those projects and those houses are not going to be completed for two to three years. Yeah. They're not going to get their money till then. So they expect the migration piece to come in and continue for a long period of time because they wouldn't be paid top dollar right. and locked yeah. into thing if they didn't know that it was coming forever and ever. So it's always nice to hear from him that, hey, before any of us know, he knows for the gas rights, people pulling permits, people in city council. And so, you know, Dallas is one of those places, man, I just, I just don't think it's going to slow down at all. And I don't know what the alternative is. So if you've got somebody out there that's, you know, renting and they're thinking about buying, right? What's the advice to them? Do I buy now? Do I save? Do I talk to Ben? It's There's no perfect answer. Yeah. But as you get these questions, especially for your younger generation that, you know, just wants a little bit of financial advice or at least a housing plan, what are you telling all your people? Well, it's like, tell me how much your rent increased over the past year. You sure. know what I mean? And that's a big driving force. Like a lot of people are like, I'm sick of 
paying rent. Like I'm just throwing away my money. So if they can, if you're a first time home buyer, you can put down as little as 3%. So if you can save up a nice little nest egg, like go buy a house, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be a luxurious, like crazy house, like get a little starter home and, you know, build from that. You're building up equity. You're not throwing away money every month. Yeah, so, it's, it's yeah. a good it's a good way to think about it. I think the yeah. younger generation has to always understand that when they're renting, they're paying a mortgage. They're just not paying their they're, own. Yeah, I love that. Um, and even with interest rates are high, I tell people like the cost of waiting is only going to get more expensive. Do yeah. we think interest rates are going to go down? No. Do we yeah. think home prices are going to go down? No. no. So even if you got to pay a little more right now than you want to in the rate in the house here and there, you look down the path, let's say 24 months from now, you're going to have gained at least 5 or 10% appreciation on that house each year. You got a place to call your own. You're getting some tax deductions. Um, you know, it's an interesting time. The advice is 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 tough because you know it is expensive. But again, because of the population influx and because of the demand, um, things aren't going to go in the wrong direction. I think when people talk about correction, I want to clarify that in my opinion. I think a correction could be: are things going to appreciate at ten to twelve percent a year for the next decade? Probably not. But the correction might go back from twelve percent appreciation to five or six. But it's sure. still a great investment. Yeah. Um, and I think people have to think that way and understand the benefits of it. So it's an investment that you're literally living in it's like a piggy right. bank right you know what i mean you're right. you're putting money in it each month and you know whenever you want to sell it you're, you're going to make some money both sides it's forced yeah. place savings because you're paying into a note and then you're getting the natural roi which is the pickup on the appreciation which is a good investment strategy which is having your money make money for you yeah it's the best um one last thing i want to touch on sure. is you and i have done a couple deals together for a few people and they've been different style of houses one of the things i want to talk about is content houses and i say that because we talk about social media digital branding all that but what i'm seeing especially with the younger generation and things being very expensive they're doing shared spaces they're yeah. hanging out with roommates getting stuff done what type of new unique buyers has this market created yeah. that you've seen through COVID and all that that people need to be aware of and maybe give them a little nugget to take away that it might be good for them and or their friends? We did a deal with a, a content house. I know. Yeah. Uh, it's one guy. He's a gamer and he lives with like literally seven or eight other people. Um, so we did that deal at the beginning of the year. Yep. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I just did another one. It was funny. He was at the closing table and um, it's in an HOA. So it's like you need to list out everyone that's living in the home with you and literally have this long list. But yeah, they all play like video games with each other. They post stuff on YouTube, Twitch, all that. It's yeah, it's funny to see. You know, are, are you seeing people strategically try to do more of like Airbnbs? They try to build back houses. They're trying to get roommates. I've seen some of my friends, literally, they'll take a two-week vacation across the country and then they'll Airbnb their house out during that time. So they literally pay themselves out for the vacation. I've yep. seen a bunch of strategy Smart. stuff. What's a younger generation doing or trying to do to either cut costs or make money off the investment? Yeah. Um, I mean, I know some people that will Airbnb their spot, like you said, um, you know, just kind of recoup some money, even pay down the mortgage. Um, the PGA is also coming to the Frisco area and I have some investors who want to buy homes over by there so that they can Airbnb it out whenever like the PGA comes to Frisco. Talk about so, that. So, so yeah. I, I don't even know those specifics as well as I should. And I'm a freaking golfer. Yeah. Where is it? And I hate golf. <laughs> <laughs> so but bad you at like it. real estate. Yeah, so it's great. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So where is it? When is it? What does it all look like? Details and stuff as far as proximity in Dallas. So for those that maybe are looking or a golfer or a spot and some advice from Ben on new and upcoming spots, talk about that. Yeah. It's literally like 30 minutes outside of uh, downtown. It's right off the tollway. It's it's a new exit that they literally created for it. It's called PGA Parkway. Um, really? But yeah, it's going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be completed at the end of this year, maybe. Really? And it'll open up early next year. I think so. I, I drive past it all the time and it's crazy just seeing everything that they built. Like they're building 
all these hotels, all these restaurants, of course, the golf course. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be crazy. But yeah, like I said, I have investors who want to buy homes over there and, you know, Airbnb them out because you can get crazy money. What about other hotspots in DFW? Places like that, anything that you know of that's up and coming, um, you know, areas that are turning over and trending, what are some of those spots as well? A really hot area is Forney, which is out east. It's hot for younger uh, younger people because you can get a new home for a good price, relatively okay. speaking. And you're, again, you're only like 30 minutes outside of the city, which is really nice. Um, Anna, Texas, that's more north. Um, again, for like the younger demographic, because you can get a nice home, cheap price, and not be too far. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot of little areas that are popping up. Where I'm literally, I close on one tomorrow in Joshua, Texas. Wow, that's a far one though. That one's like an hour and a half from me. It's probably an, about an hour outside of Dallas. Mm. Um, but yeah, this guy's building a beautiful home, and it's a really good price too. You know, one of the things that's been helpful too that COVID did is that, you know, people used to have to get up pre-COVID and fight traffic all day every day mm -hmm. from work. Now yeah. with remote and hybrid stuff, yeah. people don't have to think as much about the proximity to where they work. It gives them more opportunity, um, but it also gives you guys more opportunity as well to show them places not so restrictive. Are you finding like right now in today's market with everything, are, are, are people more price people? Are people more quality of life people? Is it like, hey, you know, I, I only want a seven minute drive to work. I'm, I'm willing to spend an extra hundred G's or yeah. are people like, hey man, I need to save that hundred G's. I don't mind fighting traffic 45 minutes either way. Is there, you know, a movement for each one or is it just specific to the client? It, it's specific to each client. And I feel like there's a mix of everything in there, but definitely the people who want the newer homes, like at, at a good price, they're going to have to go far. You know, right. it's, yeah, if you want a new home, you're, that's just what you're going to have to do. But you kind of touched on it. It's like uh, because of COVID, like a lot of people are working from home now. Mm -hmm. So they don't really mind doing that. Um, and as those areas continue to grow, they build up a lot of equity, too, because they kind of get in at a basement level price. And then, you know, it just kind of grows from there. So, yeah, yeah. it's cool. It's another reason why people kind of like being out there. Last hot topic I want to touch on is new construction. Yes. It's everywhere. Um, it's becoming more and more popular because the inventory is not available. Talk to me about your thoughts on new construction. How long is it going to stay like this? You know, people are talking about falling behind on labor, too expensive here and there. What are you seeing in the game when it comes to new construction, pros and cons for buyers? How long is it going to stay like this? Things they should look out for, all that stuff. Yeah, well, I love doing new construction deals because they're super easy. I mean, the builder <laughs> kind of handles everything and, you know, you just go to the walkthroughs and all of that. But they're tough right now, especially trying to get a buyer in the door. Um, I mean, there's long wait lists in a lot of these communities. Dude, there was a community in Frisco that literally had a 400-person wait list. Like, oh yeah, 400 so, people. Four, 400 people, yeah. A lot of, like, you got to, like, befriend these, like, sales reps that work for the builder because mm -hmm. you can kind of, like, sneak your way in a little bit. I literally just did a deal like that in Frisco. Um, but, yeah, it's it's so crazy right now trying to get a new build. Um, but, yeah, people are people are willing to wait. It's... It, used to be like six to eight months to build a new home. Now it's like a year plus. It's, now, is that, a, is that in all price points for people that are watching or is it like, hey, you know. All, it's all price points. At the lower price point, like 200 to 400, that's where there's really a frenzy. When you get above that, it kind of slows down a little bit, but there's still like wait list. It's, it's crazy. So you got to like kind of maneuver around it and, and make it work. Are you seeing the new construction piece like that too on high-end deals, like seven figures and up, your, your people that do all that, is there still a heavy demand on that side as well? Yeah, there's heavy demand and it, even like with the lower end stuff, there's just not like inventory for it. And what I've actually been seeing with the seven figure plus deals is the inventory that there is, it's like, it's way overpriced. Like mm. there are these builders that are just like price gouging like crazy. It's, uh, there's actually a new neighborhood in Frisco that popped up and it's a home that like two, three years ago would be like 600 grand and they're asking like 1.5 for it. It's like, 
is anyone going to pay that much? Yeah. Maybe someone from California, I don't know, but it's it's just crazy seeing these prices. It's yeah, well, insane. I mean, million dollars is the new 750. I guess so. And I think yeah. maybe these builders understand the market, but also the leverage and everything that they can ask for, and sometimes they're getting it. And yeah. then sometimes, you know, you'll find that uh, people are getting something under contract right now. It's taking the builder six to nine months to make it all work, and then it's actually worth a lot more by the time that they close. But the builders are sometimes strategically trying to make sure the deal falls apart so they can turn around and resell it for more. I mean, this, it's, this, it's a sick game, right, Brian. It's right. a sick game. This is what I yeah. want you to tell people. Like, yes, it's not it's, all brand new, beautiful white brick no, and oh hardwood floors. There's I, a lot of stuff in there. I actually had a, uh, a client who closed earlier this year and the uh, they signed like a year ago and the builder increased the price like 30000 right before closing. And they're like, we have no, like we have to do it. You know right. what I mean? <laughs> we aren't going to start this process over again. It's yeah. Some of these builders are you know they're not really in it for the relationship. No, they're in it for they're, the transaction. They're trying to you know lean on this market and get as much out of that piggy bank as we can. I think that's what people need to recognize. Like you know relationship based agents like Ben and lenders like myself. Like we care about the client. We care about the people. We care about the long term. That builder knows like hey you're going to close on that house. Probably stay there for five or ten years. He or she will never see you again. Talk to you again. The care factor is low and yeah. so it's like you know you got to have somebody out there like this man to protect you and know everything on the ins and outs because it's super important no matter if you're buying an existing but more important a new construction yeah and these builders like i remember when i first started like um a builder like grand homes or whatever so first deal you do with them it's three percent and then if you brought them a second buyer within a year it would be four percent and then a third buyer would be five percent per deal that you do with them and now these builders are paying like two percent <laughs> like right? yeah they they don't care like they they're just so busy that, I mean, I guess they can reduce the commissions, but yeah, it's changed completely. It's like you said, they don't really care about the relationships. Well, it's just, it's part of it. I mean, it's all yeah. a long-term game. You know, for those out there that are looking to buy, sell a lease, you know, Ben is your man. I'm just telling you, no matter where this m market goes, uh, this guy is definitely going to be heavily involved. Um, you're going to continue to lead the way. Dude, you're blazing a path. Everybody's having so much fun watching you. You're doing it the right way. Thank you. Which for me is the most important thing is you have old school work ethic, new school energy and look. It's the best of both worlds. Um, I'm happy for you. Happy to be your friend, your partner. Um, super excited, man. This has been incredible. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you for the time. You're super valuable. Um, there's just, there's not too many like you. And so obviously, you know, we just fully support you and we're thankful for everything that you actually do. Um, for the fans out there, hopefully this has been valuable. We appreciate all you guys listening. Follow us. We're on every podcast, every platform, like, comment, and share. We appreciate the love. We appreciate you tuning in. Until next time.